0: Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, we go back in the trenches. This time, though, it's those five and sometimes six guys who protect Kyler Murray and open up rushing lanes. That's right. The offensive line is the topic. It's a unit that's played well the past two seasons. First, though, what does run game coordinator mean? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 397. And it starts now.
1: Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side defense, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown!
0: Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Well, sometimes we plan for things to line up and other times it's just dumb luck. And I would say today's show falls into the latter category, MJ. We had penciled in this week to be all about the line of scrimmage. So the defensive line was first and that show could be found in the archives. Now it's the offensive line's turn. And it would just so happen that we had a chance to talk with offensive line coach and newly promoted run game coordinator Sean Kugler earlier Again, this was not planned. It just fell this way, and I think we're fortunate it did. A lot to get into from Coogs. He spoke for just over eight minutes, but a lot of it was on individual players, and we'll get to that in a moment. But a couple of things that I think the Bird Gang needs to know first and foremost was, one, and it's a question that we've had here on Cardinals Cover 2, I know the fans have as well, run game coordinator. It's a promotion, yes. What does that mean? And the question was asked specifically, what changes now? And Kugler danced around it, to be honest. He was not forthcoming what it means as far as more responsibility, more say. He had this to say with respect to the offense, though. We do this whole thing collectively. The whole offense is a collective effort of all the coaches, end quote. Now, behind the scenes, MJ, maybe things are different, but publicly, at least from one person's perspective, we're not going to know what run game coordinator means either during the week or specifically on game day.
1: Craig, before I give you my answer, my thoughts, uh, credit to you. You're the one that makes the schedule when it comes to different (laughs) positions. So whether it was dumb luck or not, it's to me, great timing on your part. And just watching uh, Sean Kugler speak, he reminds me of Mr. Clean. Yes. And that's a good thing. Now, I don't know when it comes to how it's going to affect him on game day. We know in the past that Cliff has been very complimentary of Steve Hayden, who's a tight ends coach, Coogs, the line coach, and now the uh, running game coordinator, and then James Saxon, all have NFL experience, so that comes to the run game. And, you know, now you got Sean Jefferson in there as the, uh, the wide receiver coach. I just, on paper – I think this team feels like they left some plays on the field last year. And we know that the Cardinals were one of the th- top three teams running 10 personnel. That's kind of Kingsbury's, you know, benchmark from the air raid. But I, I do think we're going to see more 11 and 12 personnel. And that means get your bigs on the field. And that means you're going to possibly go three wide because you have Hopkins. They got to find out who two and three is. And then the tight ends, uh, do they address the tight end position in free agency uh, they're limited in the draft. I know they're excited about a guy like Dan Arnold. Uh, Max Williams is a guy we're going to have to say he's got to stay healthy. Cap numbers over 3 million going into the season. So, um, And then just the fact that they're going to add another running back, we think, whether it's in free agency in the draft, then I would lean with the draft to give Chase Edmonds. And then you look at the running backs, Jonathan Ward, bigger back than Eno Benjamin, if Chase Edmonds is your featured back. But, you know, the offensive line and, you know, Initially, I was listening to it and, you know, obviously the beat writers and our colleagues, uh, you know, writing stories off it, we're commenting off it, but I was more curious about just the rotation and I wasn't able to get in there. I, at, this, at this point, I'll just wait and see to get more information, but I, I do think they're going to try to control the line of scrimmage and not just rely on Kyler Murray running around, with, you know, even though that's a factor.
0: And I know coordinator, that tag has always been something that's been talked about. And I know there was a big talking point earlier this offseason about, hey, hire an offensive coordinator. And we knew that if there was going to be an offensive coordinator hired, it didn't mean that that offensive coordinator was going to call plays. That was never going to happen. But if it was just a name only. So perhaps run game coordinator, yes, it's not offensive coordinator, but is he going to have, again, more say-so? And I think even – The past two years, we've all known, and you brought it up, that Kingsbury is quick to give credit to his coaching staff. So I do think it's not a dictatorship. It's not one guy in there saying, we're going to do this. But during the week, hey, what works? You know, what plays work against this defense? You know, how do we adjust? And then on game day, it's all on Kingsbury, it's the head coach, and it stops with him. And I just don't know, honestly, right now, I don't think anything's going to change. It was just a nice bump in pay and a nice title change for Sean Coogler. Maybe it helps him if he wants to become an offensive coordinator or a head coach down the line. But the bottom line is we're not going to know for certain until we see this team play games and not preseason games, if there are any. But I'm talking about regular season games, weeks one, two, three, and so forth, because otherwise we're just left to speculate. And I think that's what a lot of people are going to do based off what Coogler said without saying anything. When asked specifically what changes with your new title,
1: when you look at Sean Coogler, um, you know he was a head coach at UTEP. He's really never called plays before, so that doesn't surprise me. But there are times when, when sometimes the Cardinals will release um, some footage from the sidelines. It could have been in. You know, um, just a quick uh, video uh, that was out that week. There are times that Kugler does go to Kingsbury on the sidelines and said, I think you should run this play. And I know they fist bumped after it worked. So little things like that. Uh, Cliff, obviously, you know, I don't know if it was tongue in cheek on, on the Scott Pelt podcast, but he said he would never give a play calling. And that's why you hired him. So. I just think he's going to have a little bit more say on game day. Uh, and again, Hey, l- let's do this where, you know, Cliff obviously has been very creative. Um, one of the things that I think he needs to work on is when things are working, go back to that play versus trying to, you know, unload your playbook because you have got that play from somebody else or et cetera. So work in progress there, but maybe they don't put so much pressure on Kyler Murray when it comes to running, you know, he's been hurt the last couple of years. So, but I do think he'll have more say on game day. But but Monday through Saturday is where the work's put in. You just don't wake up on a Sunday morning and say, we're going to change what we worked on all week. But I do think he'll have more say on game day. Uh, and it's going to have to go through the head coach. But he's got to
0: trust Sean Coogler, what he sees during the week. And I think that's a key word, what you just said, as far as trust. And specifically on game day, sometimes it's the simple play, the easy play. Let's just run it. It's third and short. We don't need to get cute run it, pound it in, get that yard or two, move the chains, and then we can be more exotic and more creative as far as the offense is concerned. The other point to make here is something that Kugler brought up on his own. We've talked a lot about the number of penalties and the penalties on the offensive side and the pre-snap penalties. He brought it up talking about Sean Kugler when he was asked about what this offense needs to do to become more consistent. And he, again, unprompted, brought up penalties and pre-snap penalties. Quote, those are not tolerable. We have to eliminate that, end quote. So you know if the coaches are aware of it, we're obviously aware of it, fans are, because it's front and center, you're easily able to look up these stats. I do think that there is going to be more accountability for these players to eliminate pre- and post-snap During the game, holding calls, pass interference, effort penalties, those are going to happen, but you can't have false starts. You can't have delay of games. You can't get an unnecessary roughness after the whistle. Those things, I think we will see a dramatic drop, and that's a good thing, in penalties in 2021. I believe that Kugler's going to have a bigger say when it comes to discipline.
1: And if it's the offensive line, now we know that D.J. Humphreys and Justin Pugh you know they both played well last year, but you know Justin Pugh finished with the uh, the most penalized guard in football nine. Um, DJ Humphreys, you know you look at Hump, um, you know he he had some false start penalties, um, and that's going to be cooler now. To say we're going to take somebody out of the game that that means you're only as good as your backups, and we'll get into some of the details. Um, what the line could look like. Obviously, we don't know what's going to look like until the draft and free agency is over. Do they add? Do they re-sign some guys? But, yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, Cliff's a player's coach. He doesn't waste a lot of their time when it comes to meetings. He's, you know, he, he expects it. And, but I think Kugler's going to have to be the, the, the disciplinarian, and that's okay. Um, you know, um, again, you don't want to have too many yellers on your staff um, because – players start to tune you out. But I think it's important to have one or two on on, on both sides of the ball. I think Brinson Buckner is kind of that guy. He can speak for his unit, and also he'll get back uh, up from Vance. And I think Kugler has the respect in the room from the entire unit just based on his physicality and what he's trying to teach. So maybe he's the guy, again, speculating there, just don't know. But um, there's a reason why he's going to have more say um, to me on game day. Again, Kingsbury is going to call the plays and they, they, everyone's going to have to be on the same page.
0: No one likes to be yelled at, but sometimes a good talking to, or even if it's a seat next to the coach or the assistant for a player or two, just to kind of diffuse the situation or get your mind back focused on what the task at hand is. Because as we've discussed, 45 free snap penalties. The Cardinals were the most penalized team in all of football. 113 accepted penalties, and almost 40% of their total penalties happened before the snap of the ball. That just that's inexcusable. And to use Kugler's word, not tolerable.
1: If it happens in the first month of the season, then we're gonna see how much discipline this team has. Because it really starts with the head coach. I mean, you can you can have some you know, dictators on offense and defense, but it starts with the head coach. And then, you know, but we'll we'll see on that. And when I look at it, Craig, is, you know, were guys wearing down last year where they started rotating players. You know, and we don't see that. And I bring up Joe Judge when we got a chance to hear him and talk to him. He said, we're doing it because we're trying to build the the future with the offensive line. They used their first pick draft and a left tackle. And he struggled in that game. Just look at the numbers. But here, the Cardinals you know, the second year in the same system and they're rotating players. Now I do think Sweezy was wearing down. I like, I loved his physicality when he got here, he brought some physicality to that side of the ball. We haven't got a chance to see Marcus Gilbert. I think Beecham did a good job, but you know, if, if this team's going to continue to have false part penalties and we, what do they say you're behind the sticks and you have a stat when it comes to stall drives, um, you're shooting themselves in the foot. So You know, I think they got to settle on five guys. And, uh, you know, we know that they're trying to create another five when it comes to the second unit. That's what he alluded to. But I was a little surprised that they were rotating players late in the season because that's one unit where we don't see rotation. You definitely see rotation on the defensive line because those guys could be on the field for seven, eight minutes on a drive.
0: And we might have gotten a subtle answer as far as why there was some rotation. I think you brought up a good point as far as players wearing down, but there was another aspect which we'll get into here in a moment. But first things first, Bird Gang, if you haven't, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com app for more. As we continue here on this Thursday, Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Let's touch on this rotation. And the one position that we did see a lot of it was the center position. And Sean Kugler was asked about the center position, Mason Cole, Lamont Gilliard between those two Cole started 14 games. Gilliard started at two, but we did see a lot of Gilliard late in the year and without calling out a particular player, I do think it was telling in what Kugler had to say about the center position, saying there were a lot of ups and downs. Overall, needs to take the next step to get better, to get better to help our offense. And maybe that's why we did see some rotation at the center position only. It wasn't health-related, performance-related. They were trying to find something who they could count on at the center, either Cole or Gilliard. And maybe that's why we saw some rotation based on what Kugler had to say earlier. I would agree with that. And, you know,
1: you mentioned Cole started 14 games, four false start penalties. I think that he had two, in, two and two two games in a row and then five tonal penalties, which is most for the center. They got to get better in the, in, in the interior. Just based on the division, um, you know, you're not always going to be able to contain Aaron Donald. He's a mismatch. And at least the last coordinator, Brandon Staley, started moving him around. So that's always an issue, and then you know Seattle's usually had a good front, um, or you know linebackers that can shoot the gaps, and KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner, and then you look at uh, San Francisco; they've invested in their off and their defensive line, so you got to get better there. And you know maybe AQ Shipley was the glue. Uh, I mean, you know obviously not a guy that's going to win it, you know. Um, the award sitting, you know, the way he's dressed in a uniform, but he was kind of a bowling ball and he was great for Kyle in his rookie season. I mean, I know they, Kyler took a ton of sacks and then those numbers went down. So I want to give those guys credit, but you know, I, I I mentioned a guy like Alex Mack, who's a a free agent. He's up there in age, but I'm told when you watch the film, he's still very productive. Now is he a five or 6 million dollar type guy. Um, We'll see, but uh, they definitely have to look at the interior and then he made some other comments, and I'll let you set those up, whether it's Justin Murray or even a guy like Josh Jones, because they're trying to create not only the starting five, but they also want, don't want to have a drop-off. And we know it happens,
0: but more playing time, more reps. What Bergang should get out of this conversation is don't be surprised if there is someone brought in from the outside, specifically at the center position. Overall, Kugler addressed that saying, that's not out of the possibility, They want competition at all five of their offensive line spots, but specifically the center spot you brought up, Mac, Corey Lindsley. He's 29. He's due to become an unrestricted free agent. We'll see if something gets done between now and the start of the new league year. But he's the number one center, at least that I could find amongst pro football focus and all the other metrics out there. But again, when you are talking about the offensive line, yeah, it's usually the right or left tackle but now we're seeing the interior get paid and get paid a lot and is that a wise investment when we're just talking the center position right here or do you hope that Cole and Gilliard with some more experience can be that guy or is there someone in this draft that they're really high on at the center spot
1: let's go back to Aaron Rodgers comments where a lot of people thought you know he was saying that you know, by winning the MVP and he was disappointed they couldn't get further and they draft a quarterback in the first round. He talked about guys like Aaron Aaron Jones, who's really brought, brought a really good running game. And he's a free agent and just, you know, reports that Miami would throw a ton of money in. And they also mentioned Lindsey, his center, because that's big. Oh, you know, they got David Bakteri at left tackle. He's He was out. And that Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hit a lot, and they got the running game going. They, got the, they utilized uh, Devontae Adams in the, in the passing game. So, yeah, I, I think that would be a high-ticket item. But, you know, again, I think there's other players out there and possibly the draft, but I think they got to upgrade that position.
0: Some other centers of note that are due to become unrestricted free agents, Austin Blythe, Matt Skura, David Andrews, Austin Reeder, those guys all 28, 29 years old. Lindsley, though, is the big name when you're talking about centers that may be available. Just don't know if that's a spot, though, as far as dollar figures when you have a lower cap and not much salary cap space, if that's a wise investment. Though we are talking about protecting your most important commodity and that in Kyler Murray. Let's move from inside and further go out, talking about the guard position because you brought up two names, Justin Murray and Josh Jones. Now, the latter, Jones, the rookie, we always – figured he was going to be in the mix for a tackle spot and maybe the heir apparent at right tackle if a Marcus Gilbert doesn't come back or Calvin Beecham isn't re-signed. But according to Kugler, there's some versatility with Josh Jones. He can play both tackle and guard. So perhaps now without J.R. Sweezy in the mix because he's to become an unrestricted free agent. You got Justin Pugh on the left side. What do you do at right guard? Is it a Josh Jones or is it a Justin Murray who Kugler was very high on earlier? Josh Jones got a chance to get his feet wet.
1: He obviously was able to take a lot of reps in practice. We know that he was ranked in their top 30 on their, on their top 50 board. And that's why they valued him so high in the third round. They didn't think he would be there considering they weren't able to, you know, recapture that second round pick. So, I I like what I'm hearing there. Uh, To me, that's what it becomes, you know, the more you can do. And I always say that they're going to go with the best five guys. You know, I'm I'm curious to see what happens with Beecham. I thought he did a nice job. I think he only gave up one sack the whole year. Um, And, you know, that's usually now teams have multiple pass rushers. So it's not just the left tackle has to protect. Obviously, that's the blind side, but on the right side. And they did bring in Josh Jones um, in a few times as an extra blocker. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of time that, you know, you're going to get that third round pick in
0: there. And hopefully he's a fixture for the next 10 or 12 years. When you talk about Josh Jones, his size alone, I think is why people think tackle six seven three 10. That is bigger than DJ Humphrey's over on the left side. But here, as we just kind of converse here on Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai Proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, if they do like Jones and or Murray, inside because don't forget two years ago it was murray who did a good job playing tackle maybe you do re-sign a calvin beecham you do have marcus gilbert who opted out a year ago coming back is he still interested in playing don't know that i do know he recently got married so congratulations to mr and mrs marcus gilbert but maybe you go with a veteran tackle whether it's someone you know or maybe someone on the market and then you go younger at the right guard position and as they say made the best man win between Justin Murray and Josh Jones
1: and when you look at you know some of the other guys I mean we, we've talked about Lamarck Gilliard I think he's more of a backup rotation guy I wonder if he can play multiple positions and then you, you mentioned um, Josh Miles um, he, you know he's a guy that they said was a tackle, but I got to think in this day and age, you got to be able to do both things. You look at Miles, very similar to Hump, a little bit heavier, 6'5", 325. He was a seventh-round pick in 2019. So, you know, you'd like to be able to go 8 to 10 deep. We know that they're going to address 8 on game day, and now it's just a matter of they retain Calvin Beecham and what's, what's the best option if you want to move Murray to right tackle depending on what happens with Gilbert and then you got Josh Jones and again as you pointed out earlier guards are getting just as much money not as a left tackle maybe a right tackle and you would solidify that that box and then in the future it, when Humphrey's gets you know a little bit older and whether he gets another contract from the Cardinals or not you have an option to move Jones out there as your starting left tackle which he had 40 starts at the University of Houston
0: Couple of other names that the Cardinals have on their roster with respect to that right guard position. We'll get to the left side here in a moment. But three players signed to futures contracts, all guards Shaq Calhoun, Sean Harlow, and Coda Martin. Harlow, the former fourth round pick of the Atlanta Falcons back in 2017, he's only played though in one game. And then Coda Martin out of Syracuse, twice was projected on the practice squad. Six six three zero four. So he is back in the fold. And then there's another name, but it's a tackle. That uh, is Brandon Bowen, who was just recently signed. Six seven three fifteen. So they are flooding guard and tackle. And I think looking specifically MJ at that right side, and then maybe even adding the center position. Just trying to figure out those three pieces to pair up with a Humphreys and a Pew. And then you look at Max Garcia
1: where he can play both guard and center, Um, definitely has experience. You know, he played in 14 games, mainly on special teams. Um, He's unrestricted. Um, Again, he he was coming off an injury last year as he signed with the Cardinals, but he was more of an insurance policy. And, you know, again, I don't think you're going to have to pay a lot of money, maybe more of a one-year deal. And I I think you look at J.R. Sweezy, who started 10 games, nine at right guard, like I said, I, I really like the signing, but I, I think his body's starting to wear down a little bit. So I don't anticipate him, be, him being on a radar for a one-year deal.
0: Well, some guys uh, might be on the radar in free agency with respects to the guard position. Uh, Brandon Scherf, Joe Tooney, Lane Taylor, Tyler Shatley. Now, Scherf and Tooney are two of the better ones at their respective positions. Now, again, we're having that conversation about Lindsley. You know, how much are you willing to spend? Although it is important to have someone to protect Kyler Murray open up rushing lanes, but you typically don't see that on an interior position. Now, the Cardinals did go out and sign Justin Pugh a few years back, gave him a lot of money, and I think are very happy with how he has performed outside of the penalties. But general manager Steve Kahn recently on 987 FM, Arizona Sports Station, said, I think Justin Pugh had his best year as a Cardinal, talking about what he did in 2020 now maybe some of the metrics and numbers don't always point that out but if the general manager says you had your best year one you had your best year and two all this talk about maybe upgrading left guard or cutting left guard to save some money um no that's just not happening
1: i think uh we've maintained at least i have and i think you're in agreement can't speak for you but i I, i'm intrigued and uh, I'm, I'm excited for the upcoming season when it comes to the left side. Now from the center over now, the good news, Craig, you mentioned Brandon Scherf and Joe Tooney. I mean, you're talking about paying these guys 14, 15 a year. And if you think Josh Jones could be your f- future guard, that's why you drafted him in the third round and, and they had a first round grade on him. So that's, that's what part of the draft is. I mean, trying to find those diamonds in the rough guys that you had ranked pretty high. Um, and you're and Justin Pugh, I mean, I think if we would have looked at it, um, you know, after the season, not knowing Steve's thoughts and just based on the penalties and maybe his run blocking versus pass protection, he could have been a cap casualty, but that's not the case. And so I think they're set for the left side, uh, at least for the upcoming season, and depending how Pew plays, that they could have some guys in the mix uh,
0: for next offseason. Now, there's one player we have yet to mention amongst the offensive line. And as we say, it's cliche, but it's true. We saved the best for last, talking about left tackle DJ Humphreys. And maybe a couple of years ago, we wouldn't have been saying that. But here now, someone, MJ, who has played, started, not just played, started all 16 games for the past two seasons and has performed very, very well. He's come a long way. We've talked about his maturity off the field and on the field. But you talk about protecting a quarterback's blind side. Right now, the Cardinals have one of the best left tackles in the game. He's getting paid as such, maybe not top-tier money. Remember, he re-signed ahead of free agency. So it was his decision to re-sign and not hit the free agent market. But he is among the best top three, top five tackles in all of the National Football League. I'll go a step further. According to Pro
1: Football Focus, the highest-graded offensive lineman in 2020, Wake Teller, 92.3, Cleveland, Trent Williams, 49ers, 91.9, David Octieri, 91.8, Zach Martin, 91.3, Garrett Bowles, 91.3, DJ Humphreys, 88.3 over Dwayne Brown, Quentin Nelson, Andrew Whitworth, and Corey Lindsey regardless of the position, he's ranked sixth overall. And if you start looking at when he got that extension, he was in the top four or five at that position. He's not even in the top eight or nine. So clearly
0: if he continues to play like he is, he's going to get another contract. Well, right now he's a bargain. And, and that's just, you know, it, it's, it's a risk on his part. And it's also a risk on the team's part as well. But as far as what he could be making versus what he is, Yes, he's a bargain for how well he is performing, but again, it's all about timing. How we started today's show. Timing is everything when it comes to contracts and when players hit the free agent market. Just look go back a year ago. Humphrey's already had his press conference.
1: He already had the extension. And he was getting re- getting ready to get married and have a nice off season and he said, "I told my agent I want to be here. Let's make the number." He could have, you know, he could have been they could have put the tag on him and obviously looked at free agency, but You know, now he's under, and he's a perfect age. I mean, the the fact that he was drafted at 20, yes, didn't go well for him. You know, he, he obviously used it as motivation. And I think once he had a child and now he's married, you could see the maturity, a great locker room guy. So that was a really good pick for the Arizona Cardinals.
0: One other note with respects to pro football focus, they credited Humphreys with allowing just three sacks on almost 700 pass blocking snaps. Let me say that three sacks allowed on almost 700 pass blocking snaps. And when we talk about sacks, it's a little bit different with Kyler Murray because of how mobile he is. And sometimes he holds on to the ball a little bit too much, tries to do too much or try to make that big play as opposed to getting rid of the football. But what did we hear from Murray and the offensive line a year ago at this time? The 48 sacks that this team had a year ago, they wanted to cut that in half. They almost did. Murray was sacked 27 times, overall 29 times by a Cardinals quarterback. Don't forget Chris Strebler in week 17. But Murray was sacked just 27 times as compared to 48 times the year prior. A lot of that is the offensive line. A lot of that is Kyler Murray getting smarter. But bottom line, when you look at these numbers at the end of the season, hey, where do we need to get better at? Well, we need to get better at protecting number one. And I think this offensive line did a very good job at doing that.
1: Yeah, and according to Pro Football Focus, um, they credited over the last two seasons Murray with 36 sacks. So you're talking about from the team that's over 75 or 76. You throw in Stroudler, so they cut that in half. Um, again, um, towards the end of the season, though, he was getting hit a little bit more, and they weren't getting the uh, the the plus yards like they have in the past. But I. You know, to kind of recap, I'm glad that Kugler mentioned the penalties because you can't shoot yourselves in the foot. Um, The margin for error, you know, last year in the second half of the season was very small, and I believe it was Catherine Fitzgerald from the Arizona Republic, and the word he used, inconsistency. Inconsistency across the board at certain times. Clearly, they they were number one at some point in the year when it came to total yards, but I think they would have traded that in
0: to score more touchdowns in the red zone. Quote, when we're rolling, we're hard to stop. We showed flashes of that, but flashes didn't get us to where we wanted to go, end quote. And he's obviously referring to the postseason and a long playoff run. Eight and eight, MJ. It's just not going to cut it anymore. We can say that. The fans can say that. But I think what you're going to hear definitively from the coaching staff and the players as we get closer and closer to the 2021 regular season they're going to say that. Maybe not so many words, but five, finishing 500, watching the playoffs from their couch—that is not going to sit well with anyone. Nor should it. And you know
1: that's why they, you know, they brought in a new wide receivers coach and they promoted Sean Coogler. And you know, at the end of the day, um, they they got to win more games. I and mean, we can sit here and talk about you know averaging five yards a carry. And, and and Craig, it's it's surprising to me. This team scored twenty-two rushing touchdowns, and twenty-one came from Kyler Murray and Kenyon Drake. The lone other touchdown was Chase Evans.
0: Yeah, because remember that touchdown that Jonathan Ward scored against the Rams—that was officially credited as a pass, so not a run, even though it was one of those shovel passes. I wonder if, as we digress here for a minute, I wonder if that just—if that gets looked at differently at some point, because literally it's just a flip. I mean, it's, it's like a six inch toss. And instead of tossing it backwards, which you run, you know, left or right. And it's a toss play. It's a toss forward. And they say, that's a pass. Well, by the truest definitions, yes, it's a pass, but it's the easiest completion you're ever going to make. And for Chris Strubler, congratulations for him. He's got his touchdown, but uh, heck MJ, you and I could do that. And if I'm not mistaken, Christian Kirk,
1: He dropped the touchdown, correct? And that would have been a passing touchdown. And another game, I don't know if it was a bubble screen or a screen pass where he got down to close the goal line and he wasn't able to get in. So that happened a couple of times. So Christian Kirk, he could have had a couple more touchdowns. And here we are. He had the same amount of touchdowns as DeAndre Hopkins.
0: Before we wrap up the offensive line conversation, we've done this with each position group. Now we do mention a couple of draft prospects before we Get your thoughts, MJ, as far as whether, you know, 16 as far as a first round pick is concerned might be something the Cardinals look at with respect to the offensive line. In fact, uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com, in one of his mocks, his first mock, he did project an offensive lineman and actually an interior offensive lineman, Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, 6'4", 3'15", played guard in 2019, tackle. In 2020, he actually mocked, talking about Jeremiah, mocked Vera Tucker to the Cardinals at number 16. There's some tackles out there. The biggest name is Penae Sewell out of Oregon, who did not play last year, but the year prior in 2019, a unanimous All-American. There's a couple of interior guys, Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State, Landon Dickerson out of Alabama. Just some names out there with respects to that 16th overall pick, if on the board, it's not sexy. We all want to see a pass catcher or a skilled position player or someone on defense that can make an immediate impact, as opposed to someone who, by all accounts, you're not going to want to see or talk about because offensive line play doesn't get a lot of credit or attention unless something goes wrong.
1: I like to look at my cheat sheet. Would they do in free agency? Did they bring in uh, somebody uh, that can play the interior? It looks like they're, you know, stockpiling uh, guards and, and tackles. I think you know because we know the game's won in the trenches, and I think the Super Bowl proved that. Um, based on you know, look at the offensive line for the the Buccaneers, and then their defensive line, and we know the Chiefs were out there without their two tackles. So I, I got to think at some point whether it's a D line, and again that can they can check that box in free agency. Um, again, what happens at corner? I do think you're going to have to draft a lineman at some point in the draft. Uh, maybe that's the second or third round, but Right now, they only have five picks, and it wouldn't surprise me if they try to trade down to get an extra three. And that's where you can check a couple boxes, maybe a running back, uh, maybe a possibly an interior offensive lineman or D lineman. So it's hard to forecast um, what they're going to do, but I guess we'll know more. And if you follow a lot of teams what they don't get in free agency, they have a tendency to use the best player available with a slight need. And that happens. And, again, you stick to your board. And clearly the Cardinals, when they drafted Isaiah Simmons, he was the best player on their board when they were picking at eighth overall. I think he was close to Chase Young and Jeff Okuda. And at the time, they really didn't need Jeff Okuda and Chase Young. It would have cost you to move up.
0: You know, just reading between the lines a little bit, when Kugler was talking about Josh Jones, he mentioned that he thought it was a good thing that Jones did not have to play or at least play and start This year, because in Kugler's mind, you know, that first or maybe even that second year, you get your feet wet and you don't really become that starter until your third or fourth year. Now, we know that's kind of back in the day. And now it's, hey, what have you done for me lately? We need you to produce right now. But we've seen offensive linemen a little bit slower to adjust to the to the pro level coming from college. And I just wonder now, as we're talking here, that perhaps when it comes to free agency, maybe the Cardinals are more apt to look at a guard or a center as opposed to drafting one, at least when we talk about that number one pick. Now, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, fine. That's for future, but I'm talking about who can make an immediate impact in 2021. Is it going to be the 16th overall pick, tackle, or guard, or can it be someone you sign in free agency to fill that spot?
1: The good news for a guy like Josh Jones is he had a lot of veteran presence in that, in that room, Humphreys, Pew. Uh, Marcus Gilbert, when he was around, you, you look at a guy like Calvin Beecham, Max Garcia, J.R. Sweezy. The problem is, Craig, uh, when you look at the uh, the college game, they're all run the spread offense. And because of the hash marks, it's a lot different than the NFL. And they're not getting into three-point stance. And that's an issue. And Kugler said sometimes it takes guys two, three, four years. But he said now they're coming in and they're getting a chance to play right away. I mean, it's nice to sit there and say we want to sit this guy for two years, but that in this day and age, if he's ready to go, so I think he had a lot of veteran presence. Um, I just think that we got to wait and see what happens in free agency. It's not a cop out because if you lose Patrick Peterson, what do you do there? Um, you know, do they look at receiver at sixteen? Because if they don't address that in free agency, they can go best available player there, try to trade down, get an extra three. So. It's going to be interesting, and, and, you know, according to Steve, uh, the coaches are going to be back in the office. They're going to go through their free agent list. They're going to take their recommendations, and then they'll put a grade on each guy and then go from there. So um, usually we were at the Combine over the last couple years at this time, and that's when you walk through the lobby and you see, you know, a GM and an agent talking. Um, I still think that stuff's going on right now over the phone or virtual. So uh, business as usual, but the official tampering period will start on March
0: 15th. Bird Gang, if you want to make sure you never miss an episode of Cardinals Cover 2 or your other favorite shows like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, it's easy. Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. For more information, go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. All right, before we sign off here on this Thursday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, Proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Perhaps, MJ, some good news for the Arizona Cardinals. Maybe not this year, but maybe next year or the year after. Because perhaps we've got another quarterback on the move. What did you make of Adam Schefter reporting earlier today that according to Russell Wilson's agent, Mark Rogers, Russell Wilson has told the Seahawks he wants to play in Seattle. But... (laughs) If a trade were considered, the only team he would go to are the Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, and Bears. My first reaction, MJ, I didn't hear an NFC West team amongst those four. So, by all means, Russell, if you want to head out of town, <laughs> I'll open up the door. I'll, I'll help you on your way so we don't have to worry about Russell Wilson anymore in the division.
1: Well, really a, a very interesting article, well reporting, including Mike Sando on the athletic website. Um, they talk about a game in, in Arizona where Russell Wilson, you know, he had coming off throwing seven interceptions in the previous game there. He was the MVP of the month of, uh, of September. You can put him in that conversation and he, he stormed out and you could tell that, you know, when he was on the cover of GQ and then Jason Lockenfora, who puts a lot of stuff out there and he was right. Um, And then all of a sudden he goes on Dan Patrick and he's asked about, should I be involved in the process? I mean, it's amazing. Just a couple of years ago, Jared Goff got that extension. A couple of years ago, Carson Wentz got that extension. And, you know, I do think his wife, Sierra, has a lot to do with this. Uh, Initially, Colin Cowherd said that he wanted to play in New York. I didn't see the Jets or Giants on there. Uh, The Jets had the second pick. But I think Vegas is a viable option. I really do. Uh, It looks like, you know, the Raiders have always tried to upgrade Derek Carr. I think he's been good there. Um, John Gruden has a relationship when he had his quarterback camp there. Tom Cable is their offensive line coach, and that's when he was with Russell Wilson. And Sierra can play in Vegas, so I think Vegas could be a viable option. It's just amazing that, you know, these guys, you sign these contract extensions, and teams are willing to take this dead money against the cap, and that's why I'm rooting for the Houston Texans. Don't (laughs) cave in on Deshaun Watson. If he wants to sit out a year, let him sit out. It's just crazy. And, you know, we see in the NBA, you get two or three, uh, you know, stars and you make a, a super team. If you're the best player on your team in the NFL, you can force your way out. And I think that was evident last year before Deshaun Watson had an MVP type season. That was DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs. He forced his way out. So it seems like that's it. I don't think if you're, you know, the starting left tackle, you can do that, but it just seems like if you're one of the best players on your team, regardless of the contract and I, you know, the cap's going to go up to two ten next year, hopefully. So you can see teams are willing to push the money around, but I'm shocked that Russell Wilson, who said he wants to play to his 40 years old may not be being in Seattle and we'll see if they make a trade. Um, But I do think the Vegas could be a viable option and maybe Jerry Jones, we know he he likes new toys and uh, Dak Prescott is one of the better quarterbacks in the league. So very interesting in Chicago.
0: I don't know. Well, he is a Midwest guy. I mean, he was at Wisconsin for a cup of coffee before moving to NC state. So perhaps, but I, I'll go back to something you said. It's, Times are certainly changing, and maybe they've already changed in the NFL as far as player movement, because I'll go back to what Schefter tweeted early in the offseason. He put the over-under on 18 quarterbacks moving, and he'd say, I'll go with the over, yet I did not expect that to include a Jared Goff, and he's on the move. Didn't even expect that to be with maybe even a Carson Wentz or a Matthew Stafford. Well, there's two and three on the move, and now we're talking about Russell Wilson, who's synonymous with the Seattle Seahawks and to see that separation again, not probably not going to happen this year, but there is certainly more noise with this than a week ago, even yesterday. So <laughs> the latter it gets, the more uncomfortable things tend to be. And when things get uncomfortable, that's when decisions get made and perhaps some guys pack their bags and we'll be playing elsewhere in 2021. I listened to Steve Weish and he kind
1: of alluded to what you said. Normally it's the following season. You know, they let go of Richard Sherman. They got rid of Earl Thomas. And I got to think those guys are all laughing right now because you're seeing some guys tweet some stuff out. You know, Sherman had the, you know, the zipper over his lips, an emoji. So there, I think it's comical because, you know, all along, it was a defense. And now, you know, you look at Pete Carroll's record without Russell Wilson versus with Russell Wilson. I mean, there's a reason why Pete Carroll's with the Jets and the Patriots and, you know, obviously did a great job at USC. Um, to me, the most important um, people in your building, head coach and quarterback. And they got to be on the same page.
0: Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe by the time we join you, Bird Gang, the next time that we'll have some movement or maybe another quarterback domino about to fall because it is, heck, we haven't even hit March yet. We haven't even gotten to the new league year, and there's already so much movement when you're talking about the most important position on the football field.